Today we're going to continue um, through this message, our fall series that's called Come and Go. Um, And we've just been talking over the last several weeks in the midst of this broken and crazy world that we live in. As we just get to reflect on our lives and on being part of the body of Christ, we've been asking ourselves, how am I doing, Lord, at, at living as the disciple of your son, Jesus Christ? God, if I just step away from all my things and my problems and all my issues right now, and God, what's going on? How, help me understand, Lord, what you're up to and where, and where I'm at in the middle of all that. You know, talking about, the, I love that, the heart of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. God, even if you don't do what I hope you do, I still trust you and believe that you are God. And we talked a couple weeks ago about getting our eyes off the road right in front of us and looking to the horizon so that we can stay focused and keep our car straight so spiritually, so to speak. You know, Lord, how do we lift our eyes to you? Remember a year ago, just had the Lord speak this word, and, and I'm, um, it's a pretty long one, but the part of it that stood out to me as far as sharing this morning was, you know, it's when we face trials and tribulations, we know the enemy's attack, attacking us, and we know the world is fallen and broken, um, but I remember the Lord speaking this, this he said, it's, it's not about tearing down all the idols as much as it is lifting and worshiping the name of my son, Jesus. Right? Now, yes, we're called to tear down idols. And so even that story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, we don't bow to false gods. We don't bow to the, to the things of this world that are not of God. But even more importantly than us saying, well, because God's empowered me, I'm going to go fight all these battles. We, we, we join God in those fights. But more importantly, the first priority should be, God, I'm going to run to you because you're the one that wins. You're the one with the power. You're the one with the strength. You're the one with the wisdom. And so more than me taking on what you're capable of, I'm going to come to you and follow your lead as you take on what only you are capable of. We, we trust and serve our Lord in the midst of all this. So God, how am I doing at that, <laughs> right? If that's how I follow you, I don't live this life on my own accord and my own strength and my own ways. If I'm to follow you and do it your way, how am I doing? And we remember that Jesus laid out these expectations, you know, in the, in the come and, coming and in the going. What are, what is, what's our job description as disciples? And Jesus said in Matthew 4, come and follow me and I will teach you. And in Matthew 28, go and make disciples and teach them. And so God gives us this dual call, right? How, how are you doing at being my disciples? How, you know, we can reflect on that with the Lord. And then how are we doing at being his ambassador to the world? Not so that we take God's place in those people's lives so they become our disciples. But as God's disciples, how do we point those people back to Jesus so they can be his disciples too and then join us in making more and more and more disciples? So that ultimately our goal, wouldn't, wouldn't our ultimate goal be that every person in this world meets Jesus, falls in love with God, gives their life to him and surrender, and then follows him as a disciple, that the whole world would come to that place. That is our dream. That is our goal, right? We are to come and learn from Jesus for ourselves, and then we're to go and teach others how to do that too so that we can um, fulfill God's heart where he says that he wants everyone to be saved. Now, that might not happen that way. That's our dream. That's our wish. That's God's desire. Um, but again, with the free choice in this world, we know that not every person may choose that. But, but as disciples, we're sure going to try. We're sure going to do our best to be that light of the world that Jesus called us to be so that it's, so that it's, on, it's, back, it's back to the Lord. God, what are you going to do? God, we're going we're gonna to live the best we can as your disciples and trust you with the rest. So today's message, as we're talking about being disciples, we're going to be talking all about living a life of service. Woo! 
sweet. <laughs> yes, God. I mean, I think uh, when I think of that phrase, life of service, I think, man, um, I'm thankful for those that have served through our military in a sacrificial way. And, and, and you know, and I'm thinking that's a, that takes a lot of giving up of your own will and giving up of surrender to things. But as we talk about living for God, what does a life of service look like? Even this morning, I was looking through these notes to preach. I was reminded back to a couple other stories. One was, um, I think, John 21, when Jesus asked Peter three times, do you love me? And Peter every time says yes. And Jesus every time to Peter's yes, I love you was, well, then feed my lambs, care for my sheep, feed my sheep. Everything that Jesus asked of Peter in relationship was that Peter would go out and serve the people of God right? If you love me, great. Let's do this together. But we got a mission then through this relationship. There's something of service. Our relationship with God beckons us into a place of service on God's behalf. And then um, Matthew 25, Jesus says, uh, my dear brothers and sisters, whatever you do unto the least of these, you do unto me. So as we serve God's people, we're not just serving those people, we're in turn serving our God. He's calling us to serve because it serves him and it pleases him to serve his people. And it's a lifestyle that God's called us to live as disciples. So as disciples, we don't live for ourselves. Sweet, I got saved. Now I can go to heaven and now God help me avoid all the problems in this world so I can get by till that day that I've been longing for when there's no more pain, no more sorrow, no more tears. I know, I'm still longing for that, but that alone can't be what I live for in this world. God's called me to partner with him now in this world because people are lost, because people don't know Jesus, because he's got more people that, that he wants uh, to, them to fall in love with him and to know him the ways that we have. We have some work to do. We have an opportunity to, be, to, to, to follow the same call that Jesus gave to Peter, to go out and serve his people. But we don't live for ourselves. We live for the king. Amen. We live for our king. He is our God and we serve him. Psalm 24, 10 says, who is the king of glory? The Lord of heaven's armies. He is the king of glory. I just want to remind you this morning, despite what you're hearing in the news, despite what the world's telling you, despite what you're experiencing at work, despite what you're, what you're experiencing in this world in any facet, we are not our own masters. Other people are not our masters. The systems of this world do not master us. God is to be the only king that we serve. So regardless of whether you're really, really happy of election outcomes or you're really, really down about election outcomes, Jesus said, give to Caesar what is Caesar's. And I think that phrase has been standing out to me so much. You know what, God? In this world, there are worldly systems, but I, I serve you, God, you are my king. You are my Lord. So I don't care who's president, governor, mayor, pastor, whatever leadership structures there are, God. There's, there are titles that people carry in this world, and there are authorities that come in systems of this world. But when it comes to heaven and heaven coming on earth, you are the only leader that we ultimately follow. No one else trumps your authority and your leadership in our life, oh God. You are the king that we serve. And something I think that's so perplexing about him, our king, that is different than any other leader that you could ever think of, is that he served us first. <laughs> 
He flipped the script around and did the opposite of what you would expect from a king, from a leader, from, from somebody in a position of title in, entitlement and authority. Jesus first came to the world to serve. Now, when, you, when we first see him enter the world, you know, in human form, he comes to the, be the Messiah. And we're going to explore a little bit more of that, obviously, next month when we get closer to Christmas. You guys, anybody excited about Christmas? All right. Anybody, anybody still hanging on to that? I don't play Christmas music till after Thanksgiving. If you, be, <laughs> you seem less jovial on that one. You're like, ah, it's still 70 degrees out. Come on, people, right? I have one of our neighbors is already starting to put out all their stuff. And I don't know, I'm kind of like, hey, it's a season that the word joy is prominent. I'm like, all right, Lord, I'll take it. I'll take it. So we'll, we'll get more to talking about that next month. But when you to, to jump there a little bit now, Jesus is coming and his service to this world through his coming, through his life, through his ministry, through his death, burial, resurrection, all of that, it was predicted centuries before he even came. Right? I want you to listen to what the prophet Isaiah prophesied in Isaiah 52. His words were written down for us now to, to follow in God's word. So in Isaiah 52, verse 13 and 14, listen, this was spoken as a prophecy about the coming of Jesus Christ. And this was hundreds and hundreds of years before Jesus was even born. So if you think about it, if Isaiah wasn't a prophet and Jesus wasn't king and God wasn't speaking, there's no way this should match up and line up in these things. But it does. Watch this. He says, so this is God speaking through Isaiah here. See, my servant will prosper. He will be highly exalted. But Many were amazed when they saw him. His face was so disfigured, he seemed hardly human. And from his appearance, one would scarcely know he was a man. Sounds like something you would expect of of someone who was beaten and bruised and hung on a cross, doesn't it? Hardly recognizable. And then jump ahead another chapter of Isaiah 53, verses 4 through 6. Yet it was our weaknesses he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. And we thought that his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his own sins. But he was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so that we could be made whole. He was whipped so that we could be healed. All of us like sheep, right? Remember we talked about Jesus referencing his people as sheep to Peter. All of us like sheep have strayed away. We have left God's paths to follow our own. Doesn't... Whether or not you actually give in to that temptation or not, that temptation is going to be there for every single person to do it our own way, to, to go without God. Even if you're not purposely trying, sometimes I find myself to that one someday. Like, oh, gosh, God, I've thought all of my own ideas before I asked you. Let me come back and ask you, Lord. It's tempting to see it for ourselves and do it our own way. That temptation is always there. Yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. Jesus made an ultimate sacrifice of service to us. And we see that displayed in, the, in the, what he was willing to do there. And why did he do this for us? Well, I'm going to jump now to the New Testament. We'll get out of the Old Testament, go back to the New Testament. Why did Jesus serve us and sacrifice himself for us? John 3, 16 and 17 says, For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only Son, so that everyone who believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. God sent his son into the world, not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. Isn't that amazing? God's unconditional love for us prompted him to sacrificially serve us first. 
before we could even become disciples and be called into service for him and for his kingdom. He laid down his life for us to bring salvation as a free gift. God paved the way. He showed the way for us. And so with Christ being our ultimate example of what it looks like to really learn how to serve as we come and follow Jesus living as disciples, that really is the first thing we have to understand this morning. We must learn how to serve, right? We must learn what serving God even looks like because you say, hey, we should serve. And you could think, sweet, that looks like a big pile of boxes on pallets that we're going to give away to people to help people. You could think of an analogy. You could think of a moment. You could think back to outreaches you've been a part of, mission trips you've been on. You know, I, I w- went to um, New Orleans back in spring of 2006 and helped tear down you know, moldy, you know, messed up houses so that other groups could come in down the road in the future and rebuild things. And that service, right? I'm doing projects. I'm helping people. I'm doing good things, good works. I could see it that way. But I, Is that really everything that it's all about? What does it really mean to serve God? I think we need to be careful of of just thinking of what humanitarianism looks like, right? We can do good humanitarian things, and that could make us feel good, but are we really serving God? Are we just doing stuff? And that's not bad. Doing stuff is good, but even on TV, right? Hurricane things come in, and celebrities are dumping out money and meeting needs. The world knows how to meet needs, We should be meeting needs as the body of Christ, but are we doing it in service to the Lord? Are we doing it out of God's love for his people, right? We can't just learn from TV what everything looks like. And even in our abilities to serve and our willingness to serve, we have to be careful of just copying other people. Well, I should do this because that's what I see those people doing, or that's what my church said that I should do, or this pastor, or whatever. Or I think, too, um, we shouldn't limit ourselves on what our serving looks like based on, well, that's just who I am, that's just the gifts I have, that's the way that I was raised. Our ability to serve needs to be our complete surrender to God and say, God, what do you want? What do you want from me? What do you want for me in service, God? Because serving, you're going to do something in me while I serve that's going to grow me. What do you want for your people, God? What do you want? Not just, hey, what's going to make someone else happy or what's going to Help me feel like I'm living up to an expectation of what serving should look like. God, what do you want? Because disciples are those who learn, right? From their rabbi, their teacher, their mentor, their king. We as disciples should be learning from Jesus how to serve. So we need to look to him to teach us, God, what's in your word? What is your character display? What are you speaking to us, God? How do we walk this out and do it your way? How do we serve you and serve your people and your kingdom on this, in this earth? God, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. How do we do that your way, God? Philippians 2, 5 through 8 says this. It's the Apostle Paul talking to the church in Philippi. He says this to the believers, the Christians. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. You know? I think if you just, yeah, I serve, put in my time. <laughs> Are you, is that Christ's attitude? Yeah, I'm doing this because I'm supposed to. You know, think about how do we have that same attitude? But again, how do you even know what Christ's attitude would be in serving unless you know him and you know his word and you're studying um, just his character and his very nature? It says, though he was God, so we're talking about Jesus here, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Jesus, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, together are uniquely and equally all God. 
So Jesus, even as a in human flesh form on this world, was equal to the Father, was equal to the Spirit. Spirit's equal to the Father. The holy three-in-one trinity. Um, if Do a Bible study on that. There's a lot to learn out of that. I don't have time to take hours to, to dig into the theological concepts of how that all is at play this morning. But Jesus, the Son, is equally in deity and Godhead to the Father, but it says that he did not think of that as something to cling to. Sure, I've got that power, that title, but that, that's not what I'm standing on here, right? It says, instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being, right? The king gave up his crown to put on a crown of thorns. He lowered himself for the sake of his people, right? When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Jesus himself says this in Matthew chapter 20, starting in verse 25. He says, you know that the rulers in this world lord it over their people and officials flaunt their authority over those under them. Anybody see that in the world, right? People in leadership and jobs and structures and things. There's this, there's this flaunting of authority and power. But among you, he's, right, he's talking to his people, his disciples. Among you, it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first among you must become your slave. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. I just love our God. I love our king because we talk about service. We look to our king who says, hey, I'm here to serve you. I'm here to, to pour my life out for you. God did that for every single one of us. So from God's word and from Jesus himself, his very own words, we see that serving involves some things that, that I think we have to understand as we learn what it means to serve, right? It involves humility, not thinking of ourselves as more highly than others. It involves sacrifice, which means willing to give up our rights and our power for the sake of others. Right? I think being a disciple, being a servant, means giving up your right to be right. Sometimes as believers, we're tempted if to, because we know the truth and we study the word and we see that somebody's not getting something accurately and we're going to stand on something. You know, I think just when it comes to relationship and loving people, sometimes it says, hey, I'm willing to listen and not just, not just stand upon everything and I know, but can I stand on love here in a moment? Can I lower myself a little bit to hear you out, to feel, feel what's going on? Can I just listen to your pain? Can I listen to what, what you're struggling with? Can I, can I lower myself off of some Christian pedestal where I know everything because I've studied and I've prayed and I've done all this? Can I just meet someone where they're at and love like God loves? And submission, preferring others and meeting their needs above even our own. You know, I think, man, what it takes to serve people in the world today what it takes to sacrifice in the ways it takes to sacrifice, you know, to, to be able to do 
to, to our welcome team, you guys, to even before, even before the mask mandate came out, we as a church said, hey, let's meet people where that, let's love people and their willingness from that team to wear a mask for the sake of those who were uncomfortable Regardless of where any of us think whether that's something that should be done or not, we said, hey, let's love people, right? We meet people in love. And to me, it doesn't even matter what I think or what anyone thinks as far as the details of saying, hey, if anyone's feeling hurt, anyone's feeling scared, anyone's feeling uncertain about the times, let's rally around them. Let's point them to Jesus. Let's love one another. Let's find out how we can still serve God's people as best as we can. And that word servant comes from the Greek word dolos. Hopefully I'm saying that right. But it means to voluntarily serve others. I'm willing to serve. And I think you think of serving, you think of volunteering. It means I'm sacrificing my time. I'm sacrificing sometimes even my own comfort to be able to help somebody else, to be able to love someone else that God loves, Right? So I guess my questions for all of us, and I'm going to include myself in these questions for our own pondering, for our own ability to take before the Lord in our own lives. Are you willing to voluntarily serve Jesus with humility, with sacrifice, with submission? No matter what it takes, no matter the cost. And are you willing to do the same for God's people? Are you willing to voluntarily serve God's people even if they don't deserve it? Woo! <laughs> oh, man, you had to throw that one in there, Pastor. I mean, you'd be like, that person doesn't deserve service, but I should still serve? <laughs> yeah. That's what God calls us to. I'm going to get more into some of these. I'm going to break down a little bit more of this, these components later in the message in just a little bit. I want you to listen to this quote by Robert Greenleaf. Now, Robert Greenleaf, he started the Green, Robert Greenleaf Center for Servant Leadership. So I'm going to give you some quotes from this guy here um, this morning. Let me read some of this to you. He says, he talks a lot about just servant leadership. He says, a servant leader is servant first. It begins with a natural feeling that one wants to serve, um, to serve first. Then conscious choice brings one to aspire to lead. That person is sharply different from one who is leader first, perhaps you know, as leader first, perhaps because of the need to satisfy an unusual power drive or to acquire material possessions. The leader first and the servant first are two extreme types. Between them, there are shadows, shadings, and blends that are part of the infinite variety of human nature. It says the difference manifests itself in the care taken by the servant first to make sure that other people's highest priority needs are being served. Don't you love that? He talks about the servant first puts other people's needs into priority. He says, the best test and difficult to administer is, do those served grow as persons? Do they, while being served, become healthier, wiser, freer, more autonomous, more likely themselves to become servants? And what is the effect on the least privileged in society? Will they benefit or at least not be further deprived? He's looking at this concept of servant leadership and saying, is it making a difference? Because I think leader first, serve self first, and there's a lot to be gained from that for ourselves. But servant first says, how can I benefit others first? 
How can I lift others to the height of blessing, of favor, of accomplishment, of being able to celebrate them for who they are, right? Serving brings a benefit to the whole, not just to ourselves. The Apostle Paul reminds us this in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 5 and 6. He says this, you see, we don't go around preaching about ourselves. We preach that Jesus Christ is Lord, and we ourselves are your servants for Jesus' sake. I mean, that's what I was feeling this morning, you guys. I'm so thankful for your appreciation, but I'm so thankful to you because I just, I just feel so honored to be able to serve alongside of you. The, the, the word pastor is a title for a position. And sure, I get income for that, and I, you guys appreciate that. I'm thankful for that. But I'm so honored to be able to have that be, be my career, to be my job, because I get to do that with you guys. So this is my heart. I want to I I do what Paul's saying here, and I want all of us to, to be able to find this place with God. We, Jesus is Lord, and we're your servants for Jesus' sake. That's what we as a church get to do for our world. So now, as disciples... It's not just about pastors, it's about Christians, it's about followers. Can we go out in our world and serve for Christ's sake? For God, who said, let there be light in the darkness, has made this light shine in our hearts so that we could know the glory of God that is seen in the face of Jesus Christ. God's coming alive in our lives. And that does benefit us, that does bring us something amazing personally, but can we then live out what, what Jesus said in Matthew 5? Now you are the light of the world. Don't hide that. Put it up for where everyone can see so that all will praise our Father in heaven. We have to learn from our King what true serving really looks like. Because his way is the only way that truly makes a difference. And he's the one that can equip us for serving and empower us to walk it out in his way, which leads us to the next main point for today is that after we learn how to get his attitude, how to get his heart and how to do it for him and through him, now as we go and make disciples, we need to put our serving into action, right? Because learning how to serve Jesus only matters if we actually do what he teaches us, right? Again, I think we can, we can learn all about being a disciple we could study the word. We could pray. We can have the Lord speak into us what that really means. But are we willing to go out and do something about it? You know, we've, we've got more outreaches coming up. I'm going to announce some more, you know, a couple other things going on in our local community here later with our schools and with other stuff. There's things coming up in the community. You guys, we're going to, I'll just give you a, a heads up now. We're going to, this fall, we're, we're going to talk about doing legacy stuff again and how to bless more of our local schools and our teachers and our, our school staff who, who have had one of the hardest years of their life. You guys, we are going to have opportunities but that's the point. We have to take advantage of opportunities. And you, you are all going to have people come across your path that you're going to get to serve. If you listen for God's voice and what he's speaking to you and shows you and say, God, who should I serve? What should I do for them? Whether they deserve it or not, how can I do that? And so and we talk, when we talk about putting our serving into action off of learning how to serve, this kind of connects a little bit. So I'm going to explore how to walk this out practically here this morning together. So, so to just start it all off, we should always go to God first. God, how do I serve? And then how do I put that into action? Well, I need to know what you're saying. I need to know what you want to do, God. It's got to come from you. It can't just come from my own mind, my own 
ability to think of something. God, I want to know that this is, this is loving your people the way you want them to be loved. See, when the prophet Samuel was a boy, um, he had to learn how to hear from God. And I love how he responds to God. His response to God is so crucial. Listen to this, 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 10. He's, in, he's hearing from the Lord here. He says, the Lord came and called as before, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel replied, speak, your servant is listening. Isn't that a great response Samuel has? Your servant is listening. I think we can, what we can learn from that is we can come as servants before the Lord. We can take the posture of a servant and say, God, I'm, I'm, I'm yours. I'm your disciple. Teach me, oh God. And can you just tell me how you want me to do it? I'm going to listen. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to take these moments, God, and I'm going to, I'm going to ask you, what should I do? Because I could go Google, how do you serve? <laughs> I could go ask someone at church. I could go ask someone in my family or at work, what do you think I should do? God, what do you want to do? Somebody in this person—is there something going on in this person's life? Is there a need that you want to meet specifically, God? Is there something you're wanting to show them from your character and your heart? What do you want to do, God? Right? We can come as servants of the Lord and listen for His voice. And then when we hear from God, guess what we get to do now? You get to do what God tells you. Right? That makes sense, doesn't it? We get to do what God tells us to do when we actually listen and hear from Him what He wants to do. Look what Jesus said in Luke chapter 6, 46. A little convicting. I always feel convicted when I read this verse. Why do you keep calling me Lord, Lord, when you don't do what I say? <laughs> Lord is a pretty, um, pretty strong place. When we call him Lord, it means he's our leader. We serve him. He's our king. We, we follow his ways. We submit ourselves to what he, who he is and what he wants to do. So if we don't do what he says... That's a, pretty, that's a pretty strong exclamation. Why are you calling me Lord if you're not doing what I'm saying? That doesn't match. It doesn't make sense. See, being a disciple means not just believing, but actually following his leadership and doing what he asks of us. So I encourage you, practice that this week. Practice that this month. In the middle of whatever's going on in the world, say, God, who could I serve? What do you want me to do for them? Let God just bring ideas to your mind, to your heart. Um, think of th- let, let him help you think of things that you could do. And then go do something for somebody, right? Go do something that's not for your own benefit and your own gain. Doesn't bring you glory, but brings God glory, right? And that, and that could look all kinds of ways. I'm, I could throw out all sorts of practical ideas. And I could, you know, if you want help brainstorming things, let's pray together. Let's do whatever. But, but do something with that. Put it into practice and take action on it. So that's kind of, those, those two things together, listen to God and then do what he says, are pretty practical things that um, could look a variety of ways, but th- those are pretty common sense. When, as we walk those two things out, how do we walk them out? Um, I have a few more things that I think we need to, to, to put into practice as we walk listening and doing. And one of these is that when we serve, we must be humble. When we, when we serve, it must be with humility for the sake of others, not ourselves, right? Ephesians 4, 2 through 3. Here's the only thing you need to listen to all day. Always be humble and gentle. There you go. Just, just do that, right? That makes it pretty clear. Always be humble and gentle. There's not really a lot of wiggle room for interpretation on that one, is there? Well, does it God mean that I should 
not always be humble? Or what does gentle mean? No, always be humble and gentle. Pretty powerful word there. That's our call as disciples, to walk that way. So when we serve, we get to apply this right here. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. God wants us to serve in such a way that brings Him honor and glory, but walks in humility with people. Meeting people where they're at, lifting them up, helping them grow closer to God, working together, collaborating with the people of God, and working with those who might not even know God yet, but knowing that God loves them. How can we come and meet people where they're at in humility? 1 Peter 5, 5-7 says this, In the same way, you who are younger must accept the authority of the elders, and all of you, dress yourselves in humility as you relate to one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Which one of those do you want to be a part of, right? I'm like, I read that for myself, like, God, I want your grace. I want to be one of the humble. Lord, please let me walk that out that way. I don't want you, I don't want to have you as my opposition, oh Lord. So show me where I'm proud, God. Help me understand. Help me to, help me to, to get humble and walk in your grace that way. So, humble yourselves, we get, to, we get to play a part in, in recognizing how we can step into humility. Humble yourselves under the mighty power of God. And at the right time, he will lift you up in honor, right? God gets to bring our own exalting and our own things that he wants to bless us with. We don't have to seek out accolades and praise and recognition. We should take a place of being his humble servant, and know that if we do that, then wherever we get honor, that's honor all goes back to him anyway. And wherever we don't get honor, well, that's not about us. Then that's about God anyway. We come as his humble servants, right? Give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares about you. Another great part of that verse for this season in life, right? Give all your cares and worries to God. He cares about you. See, this type of humility starts with each of us can't wait till someone else is humble first to go now finally I can be humble with them it starts with you it starts with me as disciples living like Jesus we have to let our own pride die first before we expect anything of anyone else and honestly we do it without expecting anything from anyone else if I choose to walk in humility and let my pride die and someone else is prideful to me in return that shouldn't tell me that I'm doing something wrong I just say Lord I now have something to pray for for that person. I know you're still working in their heart if they're still operating in pride. Humility starts with each of us giving others recognition and not always looking for our own recognition. Right? There's going to be, a, like I said, there's going to be a lot of opportunities to serve, and not just through our church. You're going to have all kinds of ways to bless people through the through the rest of the end of the year and even into next year. And are you doing it, looking for a thank you? Looking for some for them to tell everyone else what you did for them? Or are you willing to do it? Sometimes one of my favorite ways to do something is to try and do it anonymously. Because it's a real test. And I'm not saying everything has to be anonymous. That's not the case. I'm just saying sometimes that's my favorite because it really tests am I willing to not go around and tell everyone what I just did. Because sometimes your flesh might look for that, right? Can we rejoice in the success of others even if we're not getting recognition. 
Can we lift others up in humility? While serving others in humility, as we listen to God and do what he says, as we're walking in humility, we also have to remember to walk in mutual submission. This is an important one too. It takes humility to be able to do this actually. Ephesians 5.21 says, Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Submit to one another. Now, this statement is found in a, in a bigger passage that's all about marriage. And, I, and I, I love that God tucks this into this marriage passage because this passage, even while it's... I'm, I'm going to explain a little more how it, it goes beyond just marriage. But even regards to marriage, if you read this verse you're able to debunk a lot of false theology that a lot of other Christians have had out there. Because I don't know how many times as a pastor, I'm, I'm in, when, in premarital, or people ask about how we do premarital, well, what do you guys think about you know, the, the part where it says, wives submit to your husbands, and this headship of the man who has authority over the wife. And I say, well, there's, it says wives submit to your husbands, but there's Ephesians 5.21, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Because, you know, the other part where it says wives submit to your husbands, it also says husbands honor your wives. Well, does that mean that, that wives don't have to honor the husband? Right? God's giving things that we should do. But this verse, he brings it back to a mutual submission. Right? No one, no one in the marriage should say, hey, I have the trump card because this verse now gives me power and authority over you. Now, maybe like Christ being the head of the church because it says marriage is that example. You know, the, the husband should lead. But again... That involves the husband being extremely sacrificial, even to give up his own life for his wife. So it doesn't give him the right to just go plow through and do whatever he wants. We can learn from God in so many ways what this looks like, because serving even happens with our spouses, married couples. You, can ser- you should serve your spouse. You should serve one another, and that takes sacrifice and submission and humility as well. Sometimes I, I think it, it breaks my heart when people take God's word and use it to have dominance or, or authority over another person in a way that God didn't mean it to. We are to walk in mutual submission. And this reflection of marriage is the perfect example of unity in relationship with others. Because who are we called to serve? God and his people. And his people, you know, God doesn't give preference to your spouse over someone else in the world. Now, you do, and that's great. You should, Right? Sarah, I give preference to you over others. You, you, you heard me say that. I want to make sure that that's, there's public recognition of that. We, we, we serve that. That marriage is so important. But it's such a good example because when we serve people, they're God's people too. They're his children just as much as our spouses are, our families are, our friends are. They're, they're our neighbors, as the Bible says. And marriage is a reflection of the ultimate opportunity to serve another person. And so as we look at mutual submission, not just in marriage, but with, with people, it doesn't matter how the other person responds or if they deserve it, like we were saying before, right? What matters is that we, in humility and in mutual submission, come to a place where we can serve with love out of reverence for Christ, knowing that God loves this person. And I want to I I come and love them. I want to come and meet them right where they're at. I don't get to just... Tell them what to do, but I'm also not expecting them to, to respond a certain way. I, I want to come in and meet them where they're at, and I want to love them, and I want to serve them. And humility and mutual submission, and finally, I want to find joy in serving others. All right? Now, there's joy in how fun it is, because when you, like when we were, we were putting boxes in those cars, and you watch someone just get this big smile and say thank you, and they drive away. 
knowing that food's going to go feed a family. Or there were a number of people driving up, filling their cars with boxes, and they were going to go give them to other families they know. I'm like, thank you, God. There are people in need that you're meeting their need, and we get to be a part of that. Thank you, Lord. That brings joy to your heart, right? There's joy in that. But listen to this. There's another part from the Apostle Paul in Philippians chapter 2, verse 17. He says this, I will rejoice even if I lose my life, pouring it out like a liquid offering to God, just like your faithful service is an offering to God. And I want all of you to share that joy. He's talking again, remember to the Christians, to the church in Philippi, he's saying, I want you to share the same joy that I have, that even if our sacrifice takes a toll on us, there's joy in serving God's people. And he's saying, your service is an offering to God. We get to serve God as in sacrifice, in submission, in humility, and it's all for the joy of knowing that we get to serve our King and our Lord. And he gets all the glory, he gets all the praise, and his people get to experience his love through us when we do that. Psalm chapter 100, verse 2 says, Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him singing with joy. Other translations use use that worship and serve interchangeably there. We can have joy and worship through our service to God and others. Right? Even if you did something anonymous, they didn't know where it came from. It's an act of worship because you are giving someone else an opportunity to thank God and point them to him. Right? And God himself, I love that, God himself wants to celebrate with us when we serve him well. Because it brings glory to his name and it blesses his people. Because when you serve and you do it his way, now he sees you becoming more like his son, Jesus, who sacrificed to serve, and he's, he's pleased with that. I want you to listen to the heart of God illustrated in this parable told by Jesus here. There were three servants given money, right? And, and they were told to go out and use it wisely, multiply it, do something with it. And the, out of the three, the first two used it wisely, the third one did not. But what was told to the fir- very first servant who did, uh, uh, did well with what he was given he was entrusted with something, and he, he, he honored his master with it. Luke 19, 17 says, Well done, the king exclaimed. You're a good servant. You have been faithful with the little I entrusted to you. So you will be the governor of ten cities as your reward. Now, let me be, tell you to be careful with this, because don't go serving thinking, God, what are you going to give me now that I did that? But that's not what the parable is getting at. We can't claim rewards from God in return for our service. But it's in his nature to pour out blessing on those who serve. God wants to respond to us out of his nature to, to, to say, I, I, wanna, I want you to know when you're doing well at that because you're fulfilling the call that I've given you as a disciple who is to live a life of service. Not to get something, but as we serve purely out of love and devotion and trusting our God and wanting him to get all the glory. So the cool part is God wants to celebrate with us in that. And there may be things you get out of that, but again, like the Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, even if it doesn't happen the way we want or hope, we just trust God. We give him all the glory. We give him all the praise. That he'll do something, whether it's in our lives or others. God, you do what you want. I just want to fulfill the call. I want to serve you, Lord. So I want to end with these three passages here this morning as a reminder for what our example of serving should look like to our king, right? 
and the calling God has placed on us to rise up and serve. So listen to these. We're going to read in the book of John, Philippians, and 1 Peter again here. John chapter 13, verses 12 through 15 says this. After washing their feet, right, Jesus gets all the disciples together and he washes their feet. And man, I mean, talk about, talk about some dirty feet, walking in sandals and in the midst of dry lands and desert spaces and, and all kinds of things, right? If you're washing their feet, so that was a big task he took on. That was a, that was a, that was a sacrifice to serve his disciples. Says he put on his, on his robe again and sat down and asked, do you understand what I was doing? You call me teacher and Lord, and you're right, because that's what I am. And since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. I have given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. God's saying, look, I love you. I've served you. And I think, I think we need to remember in, the, in this month of Thanksgiving, let's be thankful for things God has already done for us. And let's have a pay it forward mindset. God, because you loved us, because you have served us, God, I want to I wanna share that with this world. How can I help other people know you in that way, God? How can I serve them as a reflection of what you've already done, God? Show me, Lord. Philippians 2, 5 through 7. Let's go back, read this again. We read it earlier. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. And then 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10 says, God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. God said, I'm gonna, I'm gonna bless you. I'm gonna pour out on you. Take what I give you. Use it for my glory. Use it for my kingdom. Use it to serve others. Do you have the gift of speaking? Then speak as though God himself were speaking through you. Do you have the gift of helping others? Do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies. I love that, that part of that verse too. You might be thinking, man, how do I serve? Because I don't feel like I have a lot to give right now. I don't feel like I have a lot of strength or energy to think of others and do something for somebody else. Well, then don't respond to this message. Please don't respond to this message by thinking of everyone else and what you can do for them. Start by thinking of, God, how can I come before you and find your strength and find your energy so that as you point someone out to me and something that you want me to do for them, how can you pour out your strength and energy through me to be capable of it? Because I don't feel like I'm capable of it on my own. We shouldn't be capable of it on our own because then we'll do it on our own and then he won't get the glory. How do we do it in his strength and in his energy, right? Do it all with the strength and energy that God supplies. Then everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. All glory and power to him forever and ever. Amen. That's what we're here for, to bring God glory. That's why we serve, to, to recognize who he is and share him with this world. So let's turn to the Lord so that we can learn how to serve.
Let's ask him and let's listen. Let's begin putting, putting our, our service, our humility, our submission, our sacrifice. Let's put it into practice because we're called to live a life of service for our King in Jesus' name. As we prepare to close service in a minute by even surrendering in service to him, our tithes and our offerings, our gifts to God so that he can multiply that and reach more people. We'll do that at the end as we, as we walk out of here today. But I want to I remind you of some announcements here this morning. First, again, the Romania fundraiser coming up ne- this upcoming Saturday, November 14th. Um, again, one of, our, one of our regular missions that we support in big ways is Outstretched Hands of Romania. You're going to get to meet some people from their team um, pretty soon. They're going to come visit and get to be here with us. Some of you guys have been here for a long time, have maybe met some of them and their team in the past. Um, but you can find out more details about their outreach reach uh, their, their fundraiser next week. I remember um, Brad Hayes, the, the director of the ministry, him and his wife, Nora Hayes, they have felt like since this, since this COVID thing hit, they've had to close down a lot of their fundraisers. And they felt like God's saying, hey, for this, for the last six, seven months, um, you're not to fundraise. And it's just now that God says, now I want you to kind of get back out and meet with people again and do that. So um, if any of you I think it's in New Berlin, I believe, is where the fundraiser is hosted. So if you guys want to find out and go and support, and there's, I think, food involved, that's always good, right? Um, you can go be a support to that. But again, you get to meet them here soon as well. Just a reminder, a breakthrough, uh, our night of worship and prayer. We're going to give thanks to God. We're going to host that instead of the first Thursday of the month. It's going to be November 19th, the Thursday right before Thanksgiving. So if you want to join us, we're going to host it in our Whitewater campus. So we have plenty of room in the sanctuary there to spread out and have space and pray and give thanks. We're going to do that there Thursday, November 19th. More info on the website there for that too. Another event coming up for the ladies, women's ministry event, November 21st in our Milton building. Friendsgiving is coming up. So if you want to be a part of that, it only costs $5. Uh, man, the, the women's ministry does a great job of just connecting ladies with one another and with the Lord. So women, if you want to be a part of that, that's coming up. Also, Basic, uh, our brothers and sisters in Christ student ministry at the high school here in Jefferson is doing another Thanksgiving dinner this year. But it looks a little different, as you might guess, right? Oh, surprise, surprise. It's got to look a little different this year. I just love you guys, just the students and the faculty in our local schools wanting to honor the Lord, brothers and sisters in Christ, and doing something for our community. And so on November 25th, that's the Wednesday right before Thanksgiving, the day before. They're going to have a drive through and delivery-based outreach for the community. And so right now, um, I believe as long as, the, as schools stay live and in session, they're not looking for volunteers. The, the schools will, the, the staff and the students will work on that together. But they're asking for those that, that want food to RSVP by November 12th, and you can do so by um, sending an RSVP to JHS, you know, Jefferson High School, basic at gmail.com. So you can, um, uh, you can see Dean Buchholz back here, the guy in the green shirt and the Eagles mask on. Talk to him for more details. I don't know if we have that on our website yet or not, but we can, we can get that if it's not. So make sure, uh, just keep looking for those information. But if, if you or anyone else you know wants food through this outreach, um, have a nice Thanksgiving dinner provided November 25th. Um, I just love that our students and faculty at the schools are doing that again this year. 
And then just uh, for calendar purposes, any students or parents with students, we're going to have a youth retreat coming up in January, the weekend of the 8th through the 10th. So if you want to mark your calendars for any any students uh, wanting to go on a youth retreat in January, the cost for that will be $100. And signups can start now. And I think there's only a limited number of spots available. I think the camp had 40 spots left. So those who are able to put a down payment deposit on their spot and reserve that spot, you want to get that in as well. Church, as usual, if you ever want to give and support our youth group financially, for any students that uh, may need financial support to be able to go, we can do that as well. If you choose to do that, just mark your gift as youth sponsorship, like on your check or on the envelope or whatever you give that towards. And so um, there's some things coming up we have going on. It feels like we've had to slow our calendar down a lot this year. And as fall has hit, we're ramping back up and do a lot of opportunities to serve and to see God move in our ministries in mighty ways. So I just want you to look for ways to, that God's leading you to be a part of whatever he's doing in his kingdom here in this earth as it is in heaven. Amen. Well, as we head out, we always give our tithes and offerings. We've got the giving box just on the way out. And we just say, God, take this gift as an offering, as a sacrifice. I trust you with this, God, and use it for your kingdom. And so we worship you with our giving. If you're new around here, we'd always love to just connect with people, build relationships. And uh, wherever you're at, if if you are able, I'd love for you to just stand in this moment. I'm going to pray for you as we head out of here today. Lord, thank you for sending your son as that living service to your people, to us, as that sacrifice to pay the penalty for the sin that we so easily step into in this world. Thank you, God, that you surrendered yourself so that we could come to you in relationship and to become disciples who now learn from you, walk in your ways, and go out and represent you in this world. And God, as we do that, I pray that you begin to speak to us ways that we can serve you, serve your people. Help us learn, God, how to continue to walk in humility and in submission and sacrifice and to serve with joy to worship you while we serve, oh God. We want to bring you glory. We want to praise your name. We don't want to just tear down idols in this world. We want to lift high the name of Jesus. We want you to get all the glory, God. So we praise you. We serve you. We serve your people. We do all of this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Thanks, church, for being disciples. Thanks, church, for surrendering in service and sacrificing for our God. We love you guys. Have a great week.